We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. 2 Peter 2, Lord willing, today we're going to cover just about five verses, verses 12 through 16. As uh, we continue this, it's a tough section of scripture, but it's so important. It's regarding a, a warning to false teachers and uh, a warning to anyone who might be influenced by false teachers because they're out there um, like crazy. In one sense, the two things that we're going to see about false teachers have to do, and I'm sorry that I have to be a little uh, uh, straightforward, but it has to do with sex. It has to do with money. And those are our two huge problems uh, in the church, in the world. And uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of times when guys find themselves in certain positions, uh, they call them prominent positions of authority, they often fall in those areas of sex, uh, adultery, fornication, and, uh, and money. You know, uh, We would call it, I would say today, the lure of lust and filthy lucre. And, you know, um, sex is within the confines of marriage is beautiful. Anywhere else, it's perverted. You know, money is not bad in and of itself, right? But when it's used for the wrong reasons and when it's gained in the wrong way, it's, it's filthy. And so, uh, you know, you guys, man, we just have to be so careful. Be so careful. Uh, even with money, it's kind of funny. I was reading about filthy lucre. I asked my son, what's lucre? I don't know what lucre is because he knows everything. So I asked him questions, right? And he's always just money. Um, but what, it was looking it up, you know, why did they call it filthy lucre? Because it, it really is dirty. I don't know if you guys knew this. You probably know a little bit about this, but money is really dirty. Did you guys know that? They, they say that they, they kind of looked over uh, uh, some dollar bills. They found 3,000 forms of bacteria on money. Uh, they found some bacteria there that, that caused, the, the one most found, I guess overwhelmingly found, was uh, the bacteria that causes acne. So, you know, be careful with that. Also, they found a bacteria that causes uh, gastric ulcers, pneumonia, food poisoning, staph infections. Even some carried genes responsible for antibiotic resistance. And so, um, whatever you do, don't put your money where your mouth is, right? You guys have heard that saying. <laughs> it can be filthy lucre. And it's a temptation, you guys, for us. So look what we read here about these guys. We pick it up right in the middle of Peter's warning about these false teachers. He says in verse 12, these, but these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls they have a heart trained in covetous practices 
and our accursed children. Oh, man. Heavy stuff, huh? I mean, the false teachers. Uh, we began this section back in chapter 2. If you would look at verse 1, it says, There were also false prophets uh, among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly, notice it kind of comes under the radar, they bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And if that weren't enough, it says in verse 2, and this is the warning uh, primarily today, it says, and many will follow their destructive ways. See, and, and that's where we're trying to share with you in order to prevent something that would happen you know, we have, even on Tuesday nights, I don't know if you guys know, we have uh, this class for cults and comparative religions. Uh, I would encourage you guys to, to come or maybe even to pick up the CDs because what they're doing is they're trying to warn you. It's a good word and it's a good warning. And the reason for these warnings is because of the ever-present destructive danger of being deceived and led away from the Lord. Um, you've probably heard it a million times, I think, from me, but we can't say it enough that we just have it in our hearts that everyone would go to heaven. Second Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that anyone should perish. That's our heart, that, that everyone would go to heaven and that they'd get on that road and then stay on that road. And so you've got to be so careful for guys like this. Peter warns us uh, to uh, be careful regarding the false teachers and we know that God will ultimately judge them, right? And so uh, a ton of information here. Um, remember this picture? I think we have a picture here of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Do we have that? Yeah. Remember that, you guys. Embed that in your mind, you know? That was kind of funny. Initially, I was doing a little research on the difference between a, a, a wolf and a dog because they look kind of alike, right? And it's a subtle distinction, but then the Holy Spirit just kind of gave me a little, a little spiritual sense. He says, what are you looking for the distinction between a, a wolf and a dog? Because um, in the church, we're not looking for the difference between a wolf and a dog. We're looking for the difference between a wolf and a sheep. And that's a little easier, right, to distinguish. Although they do come in sheep's clothing... What we need to do is we need to pray for discernment and you know get to know these guys a little better and know the truth a lot better. Because when we know the truth, we'll be able to detect those who are true and then those who are false. And so Peter here begins by exposing their nature. Notice again there in verse 12, but these like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed. These guys that come in, and, and they might be here, I don't know. I mean, I hope and pray that all of you guys here are cool, but you just never know. There might be a guy here who comes to church who just wants to find a girl to sleep with. You guys know that happens? Uh, and it happens the other way around too. There might be guys here, uh, Paul warned about, they'll go into the church, they just want to draw disciples away after themselves. There might be guys like that, right? This is who they are. They're natural brute beasts. They're, they're not spiritual. They're natural. They're not tamed. They're wild. And it's not just like a wild horse or stallion or something. This is in reference to what I would say is more of a monster 
than, than just like a, a wild animal, you know. They're not just wolves, as a matter of fact. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen that they're ravenous wolves. He said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They go in, other translations call them ferocious wolves that will tear you apart. The Greek word there speaks of an extortioner, a thug, a thief, a, a ravenous robber. It's a lot different, a lot worse than a natural animal in its own habitat, right? This is a wild wolf within the flock of sheep. They're a brute beast, the Bible says, and because everything that's at stake, like I said, I think they're more of a, a monster, more of a murderer, and we want to warn you about them. They're on the television, they're on the radios, their books are out there, they claim to be Christians, they come into congregations large and small, it doesn't matter, we need to warn you about them. You know, I, I don't know, you know, when I think of stuff like this, I just think, wow, it's crazy how it, how it happens, Lord. You know, he says right here that unless they repent and receive the righteousness of the blood of Christ, the day will come when God will catch them and destroy them. We see that there in verse 12. These like natural beasts, they're made to be caught and destroyed. Now what do they do that's so bad? Well, for one thing, we read there in verse 12 that they speak evil of the things they do not understand. So you listen to what they say. Just listen to, to what they talk about. The, this might be in reference to what Peter wrote earlier in verse 10. Uh, look at the end of verse 10. It says, They are presumptuous, self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. It, it might be that. You know, for us, whenever we hear someone talking uh, smack uh, about you know church leaders or slandering, um, gossip, you guys don't ever become desensitized to that. Don't ever just accept that. Never. You know, really uh, gossip about anyone, right? But especially dignitaries. I pray we would know that's wicked. That's the language of Lucifer. It's the, the message of monsters that we wouldn't participate in that in any way, whether it be us speaking or us listening, and if possible, even stop someone who starts talking in such a fashion. That's the way the brute beasts, the monsters, the false teachers, that's the way they speak. They speak evil of things they don't understand. They speak evil of dignitaries. You know, I, I think when I, I don't know, it has more to also, I, I think it's also in reference to guys who don't understand the Bible. And they prop themselves up as prophets. They exalt themselves into places of ministry, but they don't know the interpretation or they don't know the application. You just got to look at their life. And, and you're saying they don't understand it. I mean, it's not just intellectual knowledge of what the Bible means. Uh, when you talk about understanding, you're talking about a deeper knowledge. You're talking about what the Bible means, what it says, what it means, and, and how to really live it. These guys, they don't understand it. And so we, we got to look at someone's life, right? You know, Paul wrote about this whole thing uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 5-7. He says, The purpose of the 
commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. I mean, you know, sometimes you hear a heavy message and you're like, man, that guy's, uh, I don't know, he's heavy-handed. I don't know if I like him. And there he is loving you. He's loving you with that heavy message, right? That's the purpose, right? But Timothy here says that these guys, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. They want to be teachers, but they don't even really understand the scriptures. You know, here Peter says they're beasts that don't understand. They don't speak the truth. They speak evil. And, and we see a description of their ultimate end at the end of verse 12. It says, and, and they will utterly perish in their own corruption. In the word perish, it refers to a violent death. Suddenly, ultimately, it begins in a place called hell, right? And then ultimately in the lake of fire. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, and, and we read next there in verse 13, and, and they will receive the wages of unrighteousness. You know, and that's, it's just important for us to know. I mean, maybe you're here, and one day, for whatever reason, the devil's going to try to come and get a hold of your heart, and, I don't know, stir you in the wrong direction. you got to know where this heads. We all have to know where this heads. Have you guys ever done this? One time I remember I was following, uh, uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was following my wife home and uh, in the car, right? And so I follow her home because I want to make sure she's okay and plus she makes me. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I was on the freeway following her home and, and I don't know if my eyes are bad. I think they are kind of bad and I will say it was dark that night and somehow I ended up following another car that just kind of looked like her car. And I'm like, man, why is she getting off right here? And maybe something's wrong, you know, and I get off on the wrong exit. And I come to find out it, it wasn't her, you know. I tell you what, that's a perfect illustration of what can happen in the church. You follow someone who's not called or commissioned by Christ, they're not anointed or appointed by him. They prop themselves up as prophets. They exalt themselves as teachers. But Jesus hasn't really called them to that place. You might find yourself following the wrong person. Especially, you know, in areas of religion and, you know, you got these false teachers out there. We have to be so careful, you guys, because this is where it ends. I mean, we're talking about the wrong exit big time, right? I mean, they perish. They receive the wages of unrighteousness. Now, does God want this to happen? Absolutely not. You know, Second Peter 3.9, I can't wait till we get there. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's not God's will. In Ezekiel 33.9, it says that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know, two passages that came to mind as I came to this portion uh, one of them is probably the most famous passage in the whole Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you're here today and maybe you've been following the wrong crowd. 
Maybe you've been leading your own life and then you come to church and you realize that Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to, to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. What do you got to do? You just got to believe in Him. Today, just receive Him by faith. I also thought of Romans 6.23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, these guys that, that, that are false teachers, uh, they're going to receive the wages of sin, the wages of unrighteousness, which is death, it's hell, it's the lake of fire. But God would much rather give them the gift of life. I think Peter, writing this letter right here, I think he's writing to protect, like the congregation, he really is, you know, be careful these false teachers. But I also believe he's trying to reach them too. I mean, you know, hey, maybe they'll get a hold of the letter, they'll get the message, and they'll see where they're heading. You see, where we spend eternity is completely up to us. You know, my prayer, you guys, is that we'd be sheep, not goats, and especially not wolves. One day you might find yourself, and you're in a position of prominence, and some girl comes into your life, and I, and I trip out. I see these guys, they're pastors of mega churches and small churches. I mean, it's just all sizes. We have to be so careful. And next thing you know, you find yourself, and you have fallen. I trip out. I, I'm, I'm just going to share this with you guys. Like This guy, he, he's a pastor of a huge church, huge church. And he's just, he's got like this, like a rock star mentality, like he deserves it, like, you know, the girls that he's sleeping with and the money that he's taking and the life that he's living and then he falls and he collapses and, you know, maybe he disappears. I don't know, but here's the thing. I just wonder, was he saved? I mean, was he saved? And it, and it makes you think. I mean, yeah, of course he was saved. I... I heard his messages, and they were amazing. And, and so many people got saved through that ministry. But, you know, he climbed that ladder, and then he fell. And it makes you wonder, we have to guard our own heart. These are things, like I said in the beginnings, you know, girls and, and gold, you know, Billy Graham said there are three things that will make a man fall. Pride, women, and money. We have to really, really be careful. God wants people to get saved. My prayer is that we would know that we, all we need to do is receive Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, the, 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 the thing that God wants us to be is sheep who follow the true shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, all the way to heaven. And if we don't, we'll end up following the way of the wolves and wicked all the way uh, to hell. Look at these guys here. Look again in verse 13. They receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the word carouse. I'm like, what is that? You know, and I looked it up in the English and it meant one thing, but 
I looked it up in the Greek, and, and so you got to study it in the Greek. And in the Greek language, uh, it speaks of soft clothing. It speaks of living in luxury. As a matter of fact, this same Greek word is only used twice in the Bible. Luke 7.25, it says, But what did you go out to see? Jesus talking about John the Baptist. A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. And so... When it talks about them carousing in the daytime, when it talks about them here uh, carousing in their own deceptions, what's that, what that's in reference to is living in luxury. And, and they did so flamboyantly. They did so unashamedly. They did it like in broad daylight. And there are some guys, and you guys probably, have you guys heard the stories? And it just breaks your heart. They're getting rich behind the scenes pilfering and taking from the offering in the dark secretly and you know no one knows about it except God but it's crazy when you see some guys who have the audacity to do so in broad daylight so to speak right and they even have that that theology we'll talk more about this as we go through here but Peter Peter refers to them notice as spots and blemishes so this is, the, this is what's going on in the church. You know, the reason for these descriptions is because they claim to be Christians and even Christian leaders. And so the world is kind of watching them, right? The world is watching those, those of us who claim to be Christian. But rather than seeing, when the world looks at, you know, the church, rather than seeing this beautiful bride clothed in white, symbolizing the righteousness of Christ, the world kind of sees the, the bride, but her dress has all these ugly spots, stained with sin. Not only that, the bride has all these terrible blemishes. Why? Because of these guys right here, right? I mean, a bride isn't supposed to look that way, especially Jesus' bride. You know, the world sees and they scoff. So that's what a Christian is. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't trust any of these pastors. They just get rich off the poor and faithful to their wives. I don't want any part of it. And what ends up happening is they drag the name of Jesus through the mud when in all reality, these guys, they're not true followers of Jesus. It's interesting, the Greek word translated spot is found only twice in the Bible here. And in Ephesians 5.27 and that passage is like the antithesis to our passage in Peter. There it talks about Jesus working in the church and his bride, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Same Greek word that we see here in Peter. That's the church. What, what he's saying here is these guys are not saved. They're not the church. They're brute beasts. What we find right here is they are like tares among the wheat, right? And these false prophets are not sheep. They're wolves. They're not shepherds. They're hirelings. They're not saved from their sin. They're identified as spots of sin. They're not clothed in white as a bride adorned on her wedding day. They're blemishes, shameful, natural. They are not spiritual. And he even says right there, though, they feast with us. We read that there in verse 13, even though they're not of us. So these guys are getting close. You guys just be so careful. We're just warning you, right? We're warning you. 
Um, you know, feasting. That might be in reference to uh, they, they would have the, the love feasts in those days prior to communion. And that what a, you guys know how church potlucks are? Pretty cool, huh? We went to one last night. It was awesome. I mean, food was so good, you know. But um, eating together with friends in the church, it's such a blessing. Uh, my wife and I had a couple of great fellowship meals this past week, and we're looking forward to many more. All you got to do is invite us over, and everything will work out, right? Um, but these false teachers are different. They don't feast with you. They feast on you. And what we're trying to do is protect you. It's just like me trying to protect my daughter. You know, I tell her, sweetheart, you know, I can't wait for the day that, that you find the right man. You know, um, and, but, but be careful. Be careful. I, I tell her this. I tell her, God's plan, God's man. I just try to tell her that. Be careful. Because there's a lot of crazy guys out there that, that they won't love you with Christ's love. And I tell my son the same thing, you know. I, I tell them this, God's deal, God's girl. That's what you got to wait for, right? And, and so for us in the church, it's kind of the same thing, you know. Um, prayerfully, there's not as many wolves here, but you'd be surprised. A guy, he comes in and, you know, he says he, he knows the Lord. I was reading a story Warren Wiersbe was talking about a guy who was in the church choir and... Um, and he was presenting himself to be like a very godly man, but Wiersbe was just talking about how he knew there was something wrong with him, but, you know, uh, he, he just, he just kind of sensed it in his heart, and, and sure enough, next thing you know, this guy in the choir, um, he had hooks up with one of the really nice girls in the church, and Pastor Warren Wiersbe at that time, he went up to her and he warned her, be careful of this guy, you know, but she didn't listen to him. Next thing you know, they fell. They fell, and uh, and he was talking about this story. Thank God it ended. It ended okay in that she came back to Christ. But you find this in the church. You find guys not just sexual sin, but but weird doctrines, theological weirdness, trying to take you away from the church, out of the church. Oh, Calvary Chapel, ah, they're they're weird. No, you're weird. Go away before we beat you up. <laughs> You know, I mean, seriously, we have to be protective. We got to be protective. You know, these guys right here, there's a lot going on. Notice what we read next in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. I mean, they have eyes full of adultery. And, and I've learned this, really learned this, that if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's what Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty three. You know, what are you looking at? If you're watching garbage, man, you're going to hurt yourself. I encourage you to let your eyes be on the Lord and in His Word. We need to be careful what we're watching. But the eyes of these guys, these false preachers and teachers, were full of adultery. They couldn't stop. Uh, pornography, right? Adultery, the lust, it's allowed to linger. And yet Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But that's what these guys were doing. That's what they do. It starts with the eyes. It's bad enough. It doesn't end there. 
and you guys know that. You know, how many times have you heard of so-called Christian leaders who have fallen into sexual sin? And, and I'm not saying that none of them were saved. I mean, we know, of course, it happened to David. It can happen to anyone if it happened to David. But it can happen especially to those who don't know the Lord. There are guys in ministry who don't know the Lord. And so these guys, they have eyes full of adultery. They've hardened their hearts. They're in a place and position, and yet they're unmoved by the Holy Spirit. And then you add to that the way they're surrounded oftentimes by unstable sisters, and it just makes for a dangerous mix. Notice again there in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease from sin, enticing who? Unstable souls. I know you guys would be shocked and horrified if you knew how frequently this takes place in the church, among church leaders, fornication, adultery, molestation. You got to protect your kids. You have to protect each other, you know? I mean, I want to encourage you guys, be so careful, even if I can just say this, like relationships on the rebound, be careful of stuff like that, man. I mean, I was thinking of that passage over in 2 Timothy 3, 6, speaking of these guys who come into the church and don't really know the Lord. It says, For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women. So they're women um, who believe anything. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I, I, you know, and next thing you know... Um, they fall. They're unstable. The Greek word translated unstable is found only twice in the Bible, here in Second Peter and, and over in chapter 3 of Second Peter in verse 16. Look at that verse. I think it helps us. It says also in all of his epistles, speaking of them, of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. You see, you will be unstable if you're untaught. That's the key. But as you go through the Word, and even in a study like this, even though I know it's a little difficult, you're learning, hey, I, I, I'm going to be careful. And I you know, understand that there are, are tares among the wheat. I read that in my scriptures. And there are, there are sheep, and there are goats, and, and there are wolves who come in you know, sheep's clothing. You're learning these things. And you learned a way for God's plan and God's man and God's deal and God's girl. And you, you're really careful who you follow. Well, are they teaching you the word? Are you being taught? And then you get established and, and then you get stable and, and you won't be enticed by such people. You know, these wolves, they wander under, under the radar and they creep in and find that maybe that new believer or that carnal Christian, the one who's been out of fellowship, they've been struggling, straggling behind the sister who has taken her eyes off of Jesus. And they're unstable. I want to encourage you to wait on the Lord. I mean, their eyes are bad and their hearts are bad. We read that there in verse 14. They have a heart <laughs> 
trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Somewhere along the line, they received terrible training. I don't know if it was when they were brought up, you know, some kids, they're spoiled. They get everything they want. Sometimes that's how their heart is trained. Sometimes they're actually taught and trained by other false teachers. It might be the health, wealth, and prosperity lie. You know, that says name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Their theology teaches them that if you're a Christian with faith and you should never be sick or poor or struggling in any way, and they say that if your faith is real, then you should be rich. They say that you can speak things into existence. They kind of say you're little gods. Somewhere along the line, these guys were trained in covetous practices and their hearts weren't right. To them, the ministry is all about money. It's all about money. There are prophets for profit, and you hear them on the radio, you see them on television, you read their letters, the solicitations. It could be in you know, the snail mail or the email, but they'll come at you in all directions asking you for money. Those are all red flags. And yet Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I mean, again, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning. Hey, the guys are begging for money. That's a red flag. Don't get me wrong, you guys. It's okay to teach on giving as we cover it in the scriptures. And it's one thing to present an opportunity for giving, from time to time. You know how we do it here? Sometimes we say, hey, you guys, we're trying to earn a, uh, raise a little funds for Cambodia because we believe it's a legit need. They're, they're really poor there comparison to us, you know, maybe in Mexico. So we, we sell menudo. We know we, we offer it in the back. Some pozole. You guys go crazy for that stuff, man. I just thank God for that. That's, that's totally different. That is totally different than someone like Creflo Dollar getting up in front of his church and saying, hey, I need a new jet. You know, talking about a $6 million airplane, what? I mean, you see, and people, they, they buy into that kind of stuff, right? I mean, again, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with being rich. You know, when that person works hard, maybe they start a business, they, you know, then follow that with wise investments, Hopefully the Lord will lay it on their hearts to give their tithes and their offerings obediently. But, but that's not to be the man in the ministry getting rich off the gospel and the offerings of the people, so many of whom are living paycheck to paycheck and they're, and they're poor. But we see that time and time again. I mean, they're trained in, in covetous practices they know exactly how to motivate people to give. While the true servant of God trusts the Father to meet his needs and seeks to help people grow through their giving, the apostate trusts his fundraising skills. See, that's what Peter is saying these false teachers were doing, and therefore, um, this is who they are. Look again there at the end of verse 14. They are accursed children. You know, I got to be careful, you know, because sometimes I get mad when I found out this guy right here charged $100,000 to teach a Bible study. I don't know, you know, if T.D. Jakes has repented between then and now, but, you know, they're living it up. 
They're living it up. They got their mansions. They got their Bentleys. They got their money. They got their position. They got their power. But one day they will stand before God. And it will be revealed who they really were. The Bible tells us who they really were. They're brute beasts. Made to be caught and destroyed. They are accursed children. You know, and Jesus said, you know, in Matthew 25, 41, he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you who are cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It's heavy stuff, you guys. You know, you might go to church, and I remember one time, I think it was Joel Osteen, he said, I don't want to talk about sin. Uh, God hasn't called me to talk about sin. Dude, you're in trouble, man. You know, that's why at Calvary Chapel, we just teach you the Bible. Sometimes the lessons are, are, are really nice. They're like, oh, I love that loving lesson, you know. Other times you're talking about cursed children, you know, who are going to go, you know, and, and, and be caught and destroyed and... You just got to hear the full counsel of God. And as you go through, you learn these things. Peter closes in verse 15 and, and 16. He says, They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness the prophet and 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 so when I was reading this I was thinking okay they're they're beasts they're blemishes and they're like Balaam huh Lord and I trip out on Balaam I don't know if you guys have read the story but if not um, I encourage you to read it numbers 22 through 24 is the story of Balaam he was a mysterious man he was half-hearted and and one day uh, Balak, the king of Moab, he came to his door. He sent some messengers. He says, hey, can you come and curse the children of Israel? And he said, uh, let me check with the Lord. And the Lord said, no, you can't go and curse them. So well, we're going to give you a lot of money. Just come and curse them. He says, well, the Lord said no. And so they came back to Balak. And then they came back to Balaam. And they had more money and more positions to offer him. And, he, and God had already said no. But he's like, oh, let me let me talk to God again. You know? And, and and what was going on was what was in his heart was was being exposed. God said, "Go ahead and go." God knew it was there, and it was God's permissive will. And he's on his way, and he's you know going against the Lord. And you guys remember the story? Have you guys ever read that story when the donkey spoke to him? Can you imagine that? Because the donkey saw the angel of the Lord with a sword right there, ready to just kill him, and and the donkey was you know went against the wall and sat down and wouldn't go. And so he's all beating the donkey and the donkey was smarter than him. Man, and, 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 and so, you know, to me, when I read the story of Balaam, and, and later on he has these amazing prophecies. Amazing. I'm like, man, did he know the Lord? I mean, it's amazing how God spoke through him. And, and I, I think he started off good. But I think eventually, he just, he fell away big time. Big time. And so if God can speak to Balaam, God can speak to a donkey, 
right? God could speak through a donkey. God could speak through us. It doesn't mean that we're right on. You know, I think about that all the time. Just because I preach, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm okay. Jesus said, many will come to me that day and they say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And they'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. We got to make sure we know the Lord. You know, one thing about Balaam is as he was overseeing and he saw the, the children of Israel, um, you know what he prayed one day? This is what he prayed. Let me die the death of the righteous. Numbers 23.10. Let me die the death of the righteous. Right? Let my end be like his. And how many of you here, you want that? One day when you pass away, you want to be right with God. You know, I pray all of you here would want that. Well, a couple of things in closing. Um, let me ask you a question. You want to die the, right, the death of the righteous? Are you willing to live the life of the righteous? See, Balaam wasn't. For him, again, sex and money. Sex and money. Because he couldn't curse the children of Israel, but he taught Moab how to curse, to make them curse themselves by sending the women down there and they indulged in an orgy with the women of Moab. He wanted to die the death of the righteous, but he didn't want to live the life of the righteous. And so what ended up happening, when you read his story in Numbers 31a, it says that they killed all these people in Midian and they killed Balaam with the sword. And that's what happens, you guys, when you know we end up going our own way. Um, this is here to warn us so that we can have life and that more abundantly. I pray that if you're here today and, and for those of you who are Christians, you know, you be careful. And you stay on track, man. You keep your eyes on the Lord. Remember, don't get your eyes on men because men will fail you. The best of men are, are men at best. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And you keep your eyes in the Word. And you, you, know, you learn your Bible. And you, and you establish yourself. And you get stabilized as a Christian. But if you're here and you're, you're, you're not a Christian, I pray that you would know that the only reason God would warn you is because He loves you. You know, I read a quote uh, this past week by a guy named uh, P.T. Forsyth. He said, The purpose of your life is not to find your freedom, but to find your master. I pray, you guys, you would know that your master is your savior. It's, it's Jesus Christ. And that we would really allow him to be the Lord, the leader, the master, the savior of our life. Give your life to Christ today. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.